welcome aboard the battleship pretension i'm tyler smith wow you sound happy to be here <laughs> well we were feeling we were like really down right like right before we started recording so i, I want to bring the listener into where we are by the mentally. way i'm david Bax. yeah and now why are you so down I'm not necessarily feeling down. It's just been a very low-key day for me. Oh, well, I can you tell know. you why I'm down. Oh, why are you down? Because Charlton Heston died. Oh, my gosh. Charlton Heston, uh, you know, for our uh, for our younger listeners, uh, Charlton Heston, you may remember him as the mastermind behind the uh, Columbine massacre. Uh, <laughs> sorry. That's a Michael Moore joke. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's funny. You for, liked that one? For Michael Moore, that was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> I came up with that earlier today. Anything Michael Moore related, that was pretty funny. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll be. I'll be talking about him no, later on in the my, episode. I mean, this is. I was on. Uh, I won't say. Well, I was on a certain uh, a message board earlier uh, today, and they were talking about Charlton Heston having died, and a lot of people were kind of making fun of him. Really? I mean, not like being real dicks, but just sort of like just making fun of. I, I, it just seems like a very facile understanding of who he was. You know? Yeah. Because Charlton Heston's pretty badass. Yeah. I'm pretty much pro-Charlton Heston. I am as well. And here's the thing, which is saying something, because his acting style is not one that I care for, usually. But but it works. It does. He's He was very lucky enough to get to get parts that really fit his his acting style. You um, know, he reminds me of like a Jason Statham. Okay. Not yeah. necessarily in the same style, but in, right. in that, like... They don't have a lot of range, but man, people seem to know how to use it right. And right. when used right, it's really effective. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, all right, we need at least one big yelling scene. You know, whether it be that Soylent Green... Well, I don't want to ruin it for anybody. <laughs> but, uh, you know, or uh, or that this, you know, that the Planet of the Apes is... Uh, you know what? Actually, I don't want to... Um, but anyway... <laughs> or that Town and Country... Well, let's not. Uh, <laughs> no one's um, gonna see Town and Country. I I saw Town and Country. I was the guy who saw Town and Country. <laughs> um, it was actually kind of funny. I know you liked it. You thought I it was mean, I, good. I think movies movies like that. We should, we had, uh, that's a good idea for topic someday. Is, right. is movies that have sat on the shelf and like been released oh, yeah. long after their original production had wrapped or whatever. You know, because uh, Town and Country got a bad rap because. The rumors have built up that this is terrible. Yeah. It's got all these big stars in it. It's horrible. And so yeah. when you go in it with that, you almost can't help but be pleasantly surprised. But but I feel like some people, because of that, probably had just made up their mind. Like, you look at it, at it one way where it's like, this is so bad that it can't help but be good. You know, like, the hype is so bad. Whereas other people are like, this hype is so bad that it must be bad. You yeah. Know? Um, you know, the movie that suffered from that is uh, Knock Around Guys. Did you see oh, that? Yeah. No, I didn't. that was another one that had sat for a while. And it's yeah. not a great movie. Yeah. But it's pretty good. Yeah. It's definitely worth watching. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, that would be an interesting topic. Well done, David. Um, but yeah, it is a shame that just these days, like, I mean, when I, I, like, I, you know, I made a joke talking about our younger listeners, but I do feel like people a certain age... Will only think of him as the guy from the NRA, who you know uh, took apparent glee in uh, the death of young people. Like yeah. it just. But I mean, he he came almost partly through his own acts, but uh, through the way he was portrayed, mm. he became such a representative of like a stereotype. Yeah, so that's yeah. That some people can't help but see him that way, and then it's almost not even their fault. That's the way he's been presented for yeah. for much of the last decade. Also, okay, here's the thing. All right. I'm going to – I'll say this. 
so many, you know, so many people, they would look at Bowling for Columbine, they'd be like, well, look at what he did, you know? But he didn't do that. <laughs> the chronology's been j- juggled around so much that literally... Hold on, let me open up the closet and get out the soapbox for you. <laughs> well, you know what? It, if this was like four weeks from now, then yes, it would be a little weird. But just, you know, it is, it is a bummer that like... It'd be one thing if he was painted a certain way for something that he did later in life. It's another... For him to be painted a certain way for something that he didn't actually do, yeah, you know, and uh, so, and I won't go into the details, but just uh, listeners, look look a little deeper into uh, the NRA's uh, actions in Bowling for Columbine. I'm not necessarily a huge fan of the NRA, so it's not like I'm defending them, but I don't like when somebody is tarred and feathered for no reason, really. The NRA bothers me much for the same reason that like PETA bothers me, okay, because like. On the surface, because yeah. I'm I'm not like I'm pretty pr- I'm pretty liberal, yeah. But I'm not like a big gun control guy at right. all. Uh, I'm kind of libertarian in that sense. Um, and I'll get out my soapbox at a there later date. Uh, but um, <laughs> they're just, and, and it's the same with with PETA. I'm not for you know torturing animals or anything like that. But right. both those organizations are really extreme. Yeah, and yet have somehow become to be the standard bearer for that cause, which yeah. is really sad. You know that it's almost like you can't be pro animal rights without being a supporter of PETA. Yeah, it's like I, you know what? Why don't you give your money to the ASPCA? They're a lot more, you know, a lot more moderate. I don't know of any uh, gun uh, things except yeah. for the NRA. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's a shame because they're 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 too extreme for me. But also anyway, back to Charlton Heston. Yeah. He was in Touch of Evil. He was in Touch of Evil. He was in, mm-hmm. you know, he was in Planet of the Apes and AMC. A great movie. Planet of the Apes is one of the best movies out there. It's one of the best sci-fi movies. It's just so brilliant. We've it's got so much this, good satire. We've talked about this phenomenon. I have talked about this phenomenon. I might even mention this this particular film before. Uh because the 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 film itself, I know I've talked about it in reference to like Saturday Night Fever, you know, mm. because it represents something. It's if you're if you're if you're young enough, you know, if you if you if you grew up at a time when it was already in the cultural lexicon, yeah. you know, uh, you don't even really think of it as a real film. It's like a it's like a punchline almost. Yeah, and yeah. so you don't you're not prepared for actually watching Saturday Night Fever or Planet of the Apes and seeing a really good movie. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's Cause so many people. Those movies are really great. So many people are like, get your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape, and, you know, damn you all to hell. Like, everyone remembers those little lines, but, like, yeah, you remember them because they're pivotal parts in a great film, yeah. you know? Um, so, yeah, he was, a, you know, like I said, I don't usually care for his style of acting, but he pulled it off well, and uh, and he will be missed by Battleship yes. Pretension. Absolutely. Um, sl- uh, side note, it just occurred to me as you were talking about libertarians, uh Grandma, oh, wait, is Grandma, Pendulette dead? Uh, what was that? Is Pendulette dead? <laughs> uh, no, I wish. But um, anyway, but uh, no, the um, oh, I just yeah, that's that's what it was. Speaking of politics, I want to say thanks to Graham Elwood for being on the show. Oh yeah, uh, it was a good time. We really enjoyed it. Um, oh, and while I'm thinking, that's what it was. Okay, uh, former guest of the show, uh, Mike Schmidt. Has a podcast now. Um, it's called The 40-Year-Old Boy. I've listened to it. And it's basically him by himself, no guests, him by himself telling stories. It's not a long uh, podcast. I don't think he needs our support. I think he's doing a lot better than we are uh, at episode I, two. Yeah, episode and- <laughs> two shows up on iTunes. Yeah, that's great. 
Um, but uh, but it is very funny, and so you know, I would hopefully maybe he'll maybe he'll throw some of his numbers our way. What do you think, Mike? What do you say? Because um, Lord knows, I'm sure I'm sure all our previous guests listened to this. Um, so uh, how could they now once they got it in the bloodstream? <laughs> <laughs> um so uh okay now david uh-huh i saw a movie over the weekend i mention it because it's the second film of 2008 that i've seen okay um because i just you know this you know the first few months of uh of any year is usually not the best for me what's the other one uh i went to, as you know i went to the premiere of fool's gold and that's the only reason i saw it okay here's the two i've also only seen two films okay in 2008 and i can't uh, okay i know i've seen cloverfield that was yep. the first one the other one i can't believe i haven't even mentioned this on the podcast but uh just listeners i want you to know i can't really talk about it i had a very good reason for having to see this film and okay. i did not pay to see it the right. other film of 2008 that I've seen is Witless Protection. Witless Protection. With Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah. Um, you know, hey, we both have movies that's like, hey, 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 okay, hang on. <laughs> I didn't pay. In fact, it was almost as if someone paid me <laughs> for both of us. Right, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, so I saw I saw The Ruins over the weekend. And, okay. Um, and I had read the book. You've read the book, right, David? Oh, yes. Okay. And, you know, it's... It's and you've also read the book. I read the book. I specifically wanted to read it before the movie came out because I was interested to see how it would turn out because Scott Smith, the author of the book, was also adapting the screenplay. Mm-hmm. And so, and he previously had written um, A Simple Plan. Right. And he wrote the script for that. And I think that was, you know, a, a brilliant script. And so I'm like, <laughs> okay, what's he going to do with this? Um, and... Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, now, I I instantly remember why I chose not to read Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or anything like that when the movies were in the process of coming out. Uh-huh. Because so many people are like, oh, well, you know, it doesn't have this from the book or that. And it's and I'd be like, yeah, but it's still good. And so, like, and I, I wanted to th- believe that when I would, I would go into the movie and I would be able to separate my thoughts on the book from my thoughts on the movie and i wasn't i no, it's in, impossible it is it really is impossible my I chief mean, example of that uh is when i was in high school i read the book la confidential right and immediately after reading, i loved the book so much i was like i gotta rent this movie yeah and i was really underwhelmed by the movie yeah which you, you just can't you can't help but be in that situation right when i revisited la confidential like maybe a year later i loved it as everyone should right and I, and that's one where actually i saw the movie first and then read the book but and yet somehow it didn't the book didn't bother me like i don't know why but just somehow you know you read the book after having seen the movie and you're like oh wow this is very different but honestly who could ever make a movie out of this right. book um but and that's the thing is the ruins is very different from the book some of them some of the choices that scott smith makes are obvious it uh-huh. makes sense it's like okay some things can't translate to a movie but a lot of it could uh-huh. And I feel like, I mean, the movie's an hour and a half, and any movie, honestly, I feel like any movie that is, you know, supposedly about, like, survival uh-huh. should be at least two hours. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just, like, don't be afraid to work in moments of dreary silence, because there's going to be a lot of them in that yeah. situation. Um, and that's the thing, is the movie just kind of, it it clips along at such a fast pace that, like... You know, in the book, it's all about these people dying of thirst and hunger and that kind of thing. It, it's barely touched on. In fact, it doesn't even look very hot. 
Uh, it looks uh. refreshing. Um, yeah, so. that's, that's it. And I could, al- I could already tell from the trailer, because in the book, the ruins, the actual ruins, are essentially right. just a hill it's just a with hill. a hole in the top of it. Right. And here, uh, from the trailer, they've, like, I guess, built, like, actual stone ruins. Yeah. Like, they're already trying to make it more aesthetically pleasing, more movie-ish. Yeah, and... Or at the very least, like, they're worried somebody's going to watch and be like, I don't get these ruins. What's, uh, what's the deal with all... Why aren't, weren't there any ruins? You know, and it's just... But, uh, Which is explained in the book. It's the ruins of an old... Exactly. Like, mine. Right. Like, like an ancient mine. And uh, there, is one, there is one part that I'll tell you, David, about uh, after the podcast where okay. they actually... They, he added something. It was great. It was, okay. a, it was a smart thing to add. But, but overall, you would say not a good movie? That's the thing. Or you just can't distance yourself. I can't distance myself. So, listeners, if you saw the ruins and have not read the book, please email us and let me know what you thought. Because I have a feeling. Because I, I saw it with Jen, and she had not read the book, and she thought it was pretty good. Not great, but she thought it was pretty good. And so, and I literally just there's so much stuff that could have easily been in the movie. Because when a movie's that short, you don't have to worry about it running long, unlike you know a Harry Potter movie or something sure, yeah. like that. Um, so yeah, like I just I couldn't I couldn't separate the two. I really thought I could and I couldn't. So listeners, if you saw the ruins and didn't read the book, email me what you thought because I really am curious. You know, and I guess it's it's a first time director. Yes, uh, I remember I read the book about a year ago, and I was thinking, okay, you know, it's a, um, it's a, it's a it's a genre story that lifts itself uh, above be- merely being the exercises of genre. Right. It's also a battle of sort of man against nature. Yeah. I was thinking, I would love it if Werner Herzog made this movie. <laughs> That's what I was thinking while I, while I read the book. Oh, man. That is, I thought you were going to say Neil Marshall, which makes sense anyway. But uh, he did The Descent. Oh, right. Of course. But um, and then he did Doomsday. Which... He did Doomsday, which everyone says is a really fun, bad movie. Yeah. Which... I guess that's wor- that's better than a not fun bad movie, yeah. but uh, but yeah, uh, <laughs> that'd be awesome. That's what we need to do, David. I know that. I think we've said something like this before. We need to take directors who have never made, you know, not necessarily never made, but like aren't synonymous with a popular genre, oh, yeah. um, and just and just let them loose on something. Like uh, I don't know, like. Let's see who who shouldn't direct a com- like Vim Vendors doing a comic book movie. <laughs> right. It's like nobody made a movie of the Submariner yet. Let's, but I feel uh, like like Werner Herzog, you know, he's he's lauded by by film buffs and and, yeah. and academic types. But uh, he, there's a movie he's in but didn't direct, Incident at Loch Ness. Oh yeah. If you've seen that, you know he's not above like he gets genre and he gets a fun movie. And Incident yeah. at Loch Ness is fucking great. Yeah, uh, I know. I I only saw some of it uh, while you were watching it, and I enjoyed it immensely. Um, but that's the thing is with Werner Herzog, like you know, the studio would just be like, "So wait, he'll he's actually going to strand these actors for like <laughs> two weeks, right? And then he'll show up and start filming. Like you just know that's what he would do. Um, he actually would somehow find a way to uh, create a man-eating vine, much like yeah, he, you're uh, giving things away. They don't. Oh, sorry. You know what? From the trailer, you can tell because they give away a lot in the trailer, okay. and it bums me out. Because right. my wife, because Jen knew what it was about going in. I'm like, you don't find out what it what it is in the book for like, yeah. Uh, you don't even get a hint of it for like a hundred pages. Yeah, if that, maybe like 150. But uh, 
But yeah, so <laughs> that's awesome, Bernard. Talk. Okay, well, we've been going for uh, 16 minutes now, and uh, roughly about I'd say seven seconds. And um, let's and we're going to give updates every 16 minutes. We're going to say, <laughs> exactly. all right, 32 minutes. Uh, so now, okay, so 48 minutes. That's, so <laughs> that's the next one up. <laughs> well done. Um, it's okay. So um, all right. So we've got a topic. Yeah, we sure do. Okay, here's here's how this topic came about. This topic was uh, suggested by my, by my fairly awesome girlfriend Teresa Roberts, because uh, yesterday she was uh, doing some things around the house. Decided to see check out what was on on demand. She went to the TNT <laughs> on demand, and she was like, decided to watch uh, the Net with Sandra Bullock. That's right, and which, Dennis Miller. Right, uh, which she had somehow never seen. Um, you know, I've never seen it in its entirety. Oh, um, it's a. Uh, it's a blast, um, <laughs> a blast from the past. And she, that's what we're going for here. I know. She was she was taken with how silly this movie was and how yeah how the, what was it? I I, I didn't even look it up. Ninety four, ninety five. I'd say around there, yeah. Uh, and it's it must have that that movie must have felt dated three months after it came out. Oh yeah, and that's what we're going to talk about today: Mo- movies that are just hopelessly dated. Yeah. That do not um, work outside of their, yeah, their immediate and, release date. And you can tell. I mean, it's just, you know, there's nothing necessarily... There's nothing wrong with the idea of wanting to remain current, you know, and wanting to be wanting to see, okay, what's the new... What's going on? What are the kids into? What's this internet thing? Well, I t- I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll make this movie, and another movie uh, similar to that is Hackers. Yeah. Which, uh, and then even before that, you've got a movie like Tron. You know, I find that uh, usually uh, movies about technology are often the ones that date themselves, Yeah, you know, within a year. What's the one uh, with Russell Crowe and Denzel Washington? Virtuosity. Virtuosity. Before they would be reunited reunited in uh, American Gangster. Yeah. But... uh, What if it had turned out at the end of American Gangster (laughs) that Russell Crowe was was actually a computer virus? He was was, uh, Sid 6.7. That's (laughs) awesome. That would be super... Cool. Why doesn't Hollywood just do what what you and I want it to do? Like, just make callbacks that make no sense at all, and just. <laughs> oh man, yeah. There's no, an the whole country right... would roar with the laughter of two people. <laughs> no, there'd probably be. You know, listeners, I think you'd be on board with this. So that's you know easily uh, in the low hundreds. Um, but well, uh, there's the next. Uh, you know, people make these these mash 'em up trailers like the. There you, go. you know, take this footage from American Gangster and Virtuosity, <laughs> make a trailer out of that, send it to us. We'll enjoy it. I don't know what we'll do with it, but we'll exactly because <laughs> I don't know how to make them, and uh, <laughs> I wish I did because uh, like. Well, I know how. I mean, you did. I, you import the footage and then you cut it up and find it. I don't know how Pro. to import the footage though. Oh, you gotta have. Uh, I, I I got a program. You got a program. We got a program here. All right then. Yeah, you can yeah. take something right off a DVD. I got to enroll in that. Um, okay, so <laughs> man, I'm I'm pretty awesome today. Um, all right, so uh, so you know this is gonna sound kind of strange, but like I feel like a movie like uh, excuse me, <coughs> excuse me. Um. A movie, okay, this is going to sound strange, like Triumph of the Will. Okay. Because that was made very much 
you know, it was all about like Nazi strength. And, you know, some people would say like, even with the atrocities uh, about to happen, it might still be made because of what it, because it's, you know, propaganda and stuff. But like, you know, you look at a movie like that or even not to imply they're, they were made for the same purpose, but you look at something like birth of a nation Uh and that's incredibly dated because so many people look at it now. Well, and, and, and it is racist. Okay. Like what I've seen of it, like I've said on the show before, I've never, right. Never sat through all. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll spoilers. It is racist. Um, (laughs) but, uh, you know, um, don't get me wrong. I still don't, I still never liked the idea that the director's guild, took away like took the na- the DW Griffith name off of the li- their lifetime achievement award like that always kind of bothered me cuz it's like well he's still a good director yeah you got to be able think... to separate the one from the other it just goes back to the Charlton Heston thing you know yeah. like if you're a, a fan of movies you should have a certain you should be able to compartmentalize your respect from Charlton Heston Charlton Heston even if you are totally pro gun control and it's and also like he was making a movie that was true to the novel and it's a racist novel and then when he made intolerance like you he, you know a lot of people said he made that in response to at the time there were claims of racism you know uh-huh. and saying yeah. like, hey this is not right um and he's like okay all right hang on now hang on and then he made intolerance which very few people know anything about but uh but like you know birth of a nation like and and I, i'll say this i as you know i'm a fan of harold lloyd and he was and he had some very obvious black stereotypes. Granted, played by black actors, which no one was doing at the time, so that in itself was, like, progressive. Uh-huh. But they were still, like, you know, very, you know, kind of easily easily frightened in a haunted right. house, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, and at the time, I'm sure people were just like, oh, that's great. And then just not even not technology or anything like that, but just forward thinking. Right. And you look back and you're like, oh, jeez. Come on, Harold. And you try and just be like, okay, he's employing black actors. Let's focus on that. Well, there's there's a difference here uh, between what I think of the, as the net being dated. Okay. And in these films, Trying for the Will and, and, and whatnot, uh, they – I don't know if dated is the word that I would use for them. They're snapshots of their time. Okay. That yeah. aren't, aren't relevant today. Yeah. But they're – but they're worth looking at. Whereas I think the problem with a movie like like The Net, and I'll also, <clears throat> I'm a big fan of CSI. Okay. Okay. But whenever on on CSI, whenever they try to depict any any sort of like young hip subculture, like the hip hop subculture, yeah. uh, I watched a re- a recent one. Uh, it's it's almost like wow, this is how uh, boring, sheltered white middle America. <laughs> <laughs> out of out of touch white middle america sees the hip hop culture like and and that's what i think it is with the net it's like they yeah. were trying to be current but didn't really have an understanding of what the internet was anyway yeah well and you get the like anytime something that is inherently young yeah. uh you know and i mean you mentioned rap i mean rap has been misrepresented for 25 years now i mean like you go <laughs> yeah. back to you go back to teen witch you know and uh-huh. it's just like rap that's what the hip kids are doing so if we work a rap song into our uh or a rap contest even better <laughs> you know where people constantly have to top that you know we'll bring the kids in in droves you know yeah. um but uh yeah i'd say 
I'd say rap more than anything. Is How about just... Don Amici breakdancing in Cocoon? <laughs> Perfectly serviceable, mo- serviceable movie otherwise. Yeah. Well, I don't think you can criticize. He did win supporting actor, and I think it's because of his moves. Um, but, uh, you know, it's interesting that you that you brought up uh, this topic because Jen and I were... Uh, we've been doing this thing where we, you know, all the movies on our shelves, we've, we basically pull out each one that one of us hasn't seen. And we, you know, are just slowly but surely working our way through it so that, you know, we've seen all the movies on our shelves. And there are movies that are from my specific collection that I haven't seen because I'm stupid. But um, and I just assume like, well, I'm going to like this. I know I will. I've seen enough of it or I haven't or I know ah, this is this stars Peter Laurie. I like him. Um, uh-huh. And uh, sometimes doesn't quite work out. But, you know, I'll take what I can get. Um, but anyway, we. Uh, we were watching Anatomy of a Murder. Mm hmm. And it's fascinating because, you know, that one, I'd say, is kind of a snapshot of its time. But also, at the time, it was very it was very uh, progressive. It was really cutting edge, you mm-hmm. know, because in this courtroom, they talk about, uh, like, well, they talk about rape and stuff. But they also talk about, like, a woman's panties. Uh-huh. And the judge, played by, uh, oh, what was his name? Joseph Schenck, I think, uh, who, you know... Uh, famously told, uh, asked uh, Joe McCarthy if he had any decency. Um, so the judge, you know, he addresses like the ga- like the people in the courtroom. He's like, "Now we're going to be talking about panties," <laughs> and everyone's laughing, you know. And it's just, and and he's he's like, "Now get your laughs out now, because this is you know this is a rape case, and let's take it seriously." And so like. <laughs> And, you know, it was almost like he was addressing the audience because the audience at the time wasn't used to hearing that kind of thing. You know, they weren't right. used to hearing words like panties and they weren't used to hearing words like rape and sperm and penetration. But the movie, because it's Otto Preminger, is just like, well, yeah. you know, this is the kind of thing that happens. So let's just approach it that way. But, you know, uh, Jen watched it and she's like, why are people laughing? That's weird. And why does he know people are going to laugh? And I and I had to, you know, you kind of have to explain. Be like, well, you know, it's... Because, of course, you were alive back in I was absolutely... Well, yes. Is that 59? I was 59, yes. All right. Um, but I just, you know, for the same reason that... If you took all our episodes, mm-hmm. you could probably put together 20 to 25 minutes of me, like, stating the year of a movie and going, is that right? Is that the year that movie came out? Am I right about that? I seem to do it, like, once or twice an episode. Listeners... You've got your your. Uh, We're giving mar- them way too many, <laughs> exactly. way too much homework today. Yeah, it's like while you're doing a, as David calls it, mash 'em up of uh, <laughs> <laughs> virtuosity and American Gangster. You know, take a break from your email about the ruins, and uh, you know. So, um, but I just mean like you know, a lot of modern audiences will look back at. Uh, I remember my wife and her friend watched The Apartment, and there's a scene where you know. Uh, Shirley MacLaine has, uh, I believe she took a bunch of pills. Uh-huh, yeah. And uh, the doctor just keeps slapping her in the face. It it never bothered me at all. It never even struck me as something that would be wrong to do. Uh-huh. You know, she's going to die. You do what you got to do to revive her. You yeah. know, but like, uh, I'm sorry, this wasn't uh, my wife's friend. We went and saw it uh, in the park in Chicago. Oh, cool. And, uh, and these friends were just like, uh, that part didn't strike me as very realistic. And I was like, what are you talking about? Because I've been so exposed to older movies that I'm used to 
that kind of thing. Whereas, like, yeah. you wouldn't – I don't think you'd see that these days. Like, they had to convince me that doctors wouldn't slap people to revive them. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. Like, there's just – there's Yeah, little... but in, in your version of the world, there are still, like, dimly lit mid-afternoon bars where Ray Milland is hanging out all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. You know. So, yeah, this is, this is Tyler's worldview. You know what? Here's – Okay. Yeah, we might as well address this, uh, you know, because we've already commented that I like, I kind of like Americana, uh-huh. um, both the, you know, the positive side and the negative side. I like the idea of like these nice diners, but I also like these dive bars and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I wear my, uh, my grandpa, like during the winter, not in LA, but like when I go out to Chicago or something like that, I wear my grandpa's like black overcoat with my awesome black fedora that I got for Christmas a while back. And honestly, I look pretty awesome. All right. And I'm just like, man, why did people ever stop doing this? Why did people ever, who looks at like a nice suit and, and, uh, this nice black top coat and a nice like freaking fedora who looks at that and it's like, no, thank you. Yeah. I think we wanted to be comfortable. Whatever. A, hippie. First we wanted to be comfortable. And also, we didn't all want to look the same. I think that's a big part of it. Okay, fair enough. We, I guess, I guess we can't all be the guy in the gray flannel and, suit, but. right? And tie dye essentially it just works better with t shirts than suits. If you had a tie dye <laughs> suit, true. I don't know. But David, I submit that it's gone too far because sweatpants. No, what, thank like you. in public. In public. <sighs> oh, it's moments like that where you're like, you know what? We're, we're just the president, whoever that white may, you know, may wind up being in the future. is like, okay, everybody first law, we're all going back to suits. All right. <laughs> you, it's your fault. <laughs> we gave you freedom and look what you did with it. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, sorry, I, we've gone off topic, but, uh, <laughs> but then you just have suits that say pink across the butt. <laughs> uh, Hey, I'll, I'll tell a funny story. That's going to get me in trouble. Um, <laughs> My, uh... Are we going to have to edit again? <laughs> no. Oh. No, I don't think so, because it's just my wife. No, Whatever. No. She's going to love me no matter what I do. It's kind of awesome. That's the upside. Um, So, it's kind of like, a, it's like a, your own little version of blackmail. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, But uh, she had bought, uh, we, we were at a... Uh, at a, uh, a vintage clothing store here in L.A. Uh, I call it Goodwill. And um, it, we went to a Goodwill and bought shirts for 50 cents. And so... Um, where, where, where is that Goodwill? It um, seems like thrift stores around here are, over, are, are overpriced for thrift really? stores. Uh, I went to one in uh, North Hollywood on uh, Lancashire, I believe. That might have been a Salvation Army. That, note, I think I, it's just south of Victory, by the uh, the the like Mexican suit, large Mexican supermarket. Oh, that's the Salvation. That's Army. the Salvation yeah, yeah. Army. Okay, um, and so uh, my, my wife had never heard the term, or she had heard it, but she didn't know what it meant. Uh, uh, gold digger and so she bought a shirt that fits really well she looks really good in it but it just says gold digger right across the chest and she didn't know what it meant she thought it was like a i think she thought it was a brand or something or just yeah and uh and so i'm like well honey you're not a gold digger i don't have a job and yeah that's was, why that shirt's funny to me well she the, makes way more money exactly. than you do i know i'd say 100 percent, no matter what she makes and so um so she's like, oh, is that what it means? I'm like, yeah, you've never heard that? And she's like, she's never oh. heard the Kanye West song? I guess not. Or if she, you know, she didn't know what it was at the time. And so, uh, so now she wears it inside out. Um, 
<laughs> my wife's adorable. I love you, honey. Um, she's not. She's never going to get to this. Um, but you know, back to the thrift stores. I used to go to Village Thrift in Chicago. Okay. Uh, um, and pay like like a buck fifty to two dollars and fifty for a pair of of like Dockers, like like khaki Dockers. Mm-hmm. Dockers. They're like five seventy five a pair here. Oh my! It's far too much. That's 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 too much. Um, oh my gosh, we've 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 gone. We're way off the topic of uh, movies. Yeah, well, um, yeah. We should get back to uh, but, dated uh, films. You know, and and what's neat is like uh, if you look at a movie to go, you know, a lot of movies are like. I love movies like Reefer Madness. I mean, everybody you know right. that has kind of gained a cult following, but it's crazy to look back and realize this wasn't done as camp. This was absolutely sincere yeah you know like and back then i'm sure people that's what they thought of reefer some people some people yeah yeah then that's the thing with i'm I'm gonna keep using using the net as just a touchstone for this for this episode that's the same thing there were people around at that time who understood the internet a lot better than that but that is how hollywood assumed the majority of Americans saw and wanted to see yeah. the internet, and that's I think what we're talking about with uh, with with dated dated films. Like uh, I, I I wish I had made a list beforehand. I I tried to I, I'm trying the flying by my seat of the pants thing, which gives us a lot of fun like tangents and stuff. Which is probably <laughs> I mean if I do say so myself, probably very entertaining to listen to. <laughs> but it, I I I I can't I, I can't stay on topic. Oh, that's without, right. without the list. Um, yeah, it's. Let's see. What's this other one? Oh, okay. There's a movie came out in uh, 67, I believe. 68, maybe? Mm-hmm. Damn, I don't remember. Oh, 68. Uh, called Charlie. And it was uh, it was uh, an adaptation of Flowers for Algernon. Right. And, um, and in trying to... Uh, there's one where, like, they tried to, like, update the story. Because the, the... I think it was a play. The play had been around for a while. And so they wanted to bring it into the, the vibrant '60s, uh-huh. and so like you know the, you know the story. It's basically this guy who is uh, you know mentally disabled, and 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 uh, they like inject him with something, and all of a sudden he becomes smart. You know, uh, super smart. I forget. Yes, very smart. I never actually read the book or anything. Oh really? Oh, it's pretty good. Yeah, I think maybe I was supposed to in like eighth grade. Okay, I'll I'll absolutely buy that because I didn't read it all. But um, <laughs> and I'd say you and I are kind of cut from the uh, same cloth when yeah. it comes to our uh, our studies. Um, but you know, it's funny because uh, eventually I came to love getting assignments of old books. There was just oh, like yeah. a break somewhere in my brain where in eighth grade I couldn't even be brought to read Flowers from Algernon. Two years later in tenth grade, I loved the Scarlet Letter. So like, it's <laughs> I guess it's. Uh, it's it's weird how quickly you change as a younger person, and the older you get, the slower you change. Yeah, tenth grade, I uh, because what had happened was I had took I had taken my uh, modern European history class, and he had said, "All right, pick pick a book, you know, uh-huh. that happened that takes place during this time." Uh, and I picked uh, Crime and Punishment, uh-huh. and I'm like, and it's my favorite book of all time right. and i and i at the time i was just like wait a minute are other like classic books as good as this like <laughs> yeah. is this what i've been missing and from then on yeah boom i just you know great gatsby uh catcher in the rye just like uh, one Sullivan's travels thing. was a big eye opener for me in high school what was that 
So uh, Gulliver's Travels. Travels. Gulliver's Travels. Yeah. Tra- that's the film buff in me talking. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I actually almost I I almost said flowers for Zaldronon. That's different. <laughs> that's a different been on thing. our show. Um, but uh, you know, I, and some. But anyway, oh, so in Charlie, so like. The guy uh, becomes very smart, but, uh, you know, in his intelligence, like, he, like, wants to run from responsibility. And, of course, in the 60s, running from responsibility meant doing a lot of drugs and getting and having this weird-looking uh, goatee and, like, having, like, this weird uh, – and, like, riding on a motorcycle. Literally, he does every rebellious thing that people <laughs> could do in the 60s. And – and it's like a montage. It's it winds up just being one of those stupid '60s hippie montages, and it takes about five minutes. And it's one of those things where, like, you watch it now, and I mean, this is like a, you know, he won uh, Cliff Robertson, known as you know these days known primarily as Ben Parker from Spider Man. Hmm. Um, he was he won the Oscar. He was really good, and um, and it's this really touching story. Then that shows up, because and it's like you just want them. With your with your the sensibility now, you just like just take that out, please. Yeah. Okay, nobody does this well, anymore. Um, you know the the that that time period, the sixties. I mean, that's uh, you know never in recent history has the the generation gap been so pronounced as then. Yeah, you know, or, or at least so commented on. You yeah. know, I think now the generation a, gen, a generation gap is almost taken for granted. You know, yeah. uh, but. Uh, then I think it was it was really interesting to people, and that's why there's there's a million movies from the '60s that are you know I mean I mean starting Reefer Madness is the '50s I think, but I mean yeah. uh, that's that's sort of the the beginning of it. There's just this this like this panic uh, of what are the kids doing and making just completely outlandish yeah uh, you know or there's uh, the other thing where the Square movies would try to be cool, and yeah. there is no square franchise in the history of film than the James Bond movies. Oh yeah, and they're those '60s ones are full of that stuff. Those are early ones, you know, uh, just <laughs> crazy garish colors. And there's, have you seen Diamonds Are Forever? No, I haven't. Because I only recently watched it. And there's a part where he fights these two women who are in bikinis, <laughs> and they're clearly supposed to be like. Just like hip, like almost like the like the like, I mean they're not in London, but sort of like a reflection of like the swing in London type of yeah uh, d- uh, type of birds, as it were. You oh, know, wow. well done. And uh, it's hilarious. I imagine it is. Um, you know, and of course, and James Bond is always funny because like they've it just has this technology, and it's uh-huh. just like look how far advanced they are. This thing that wouldn't be out of place in like a rolled doll book uh you know it's like he uses the he uses it casually because that's the future um because i think that might be i'd say technology is when movies date themselves the most so like you'll find a lot of dated sci-fi and i guess now i'll get into uh 2001 a space odyssey which like it's one of the like i always find myself like what year is robocop take place Late nineties, I think ninety seven. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Like, like, like good sci fi. And by the way, RoboCop is good sci fi. I know there's some people, one person specifically, who does not think RoboCop is very good. <laughs> and it, we're not doing this podcast for one person. Exactly. But yeah, no, that is uh, a commonly held belief because it's so 
uh, it's so so exaggerated and it's yeah. so bloody and it's so silly. Yeah, people think it's not a good movie. It is one of the best movies of the eighties. <laughs> yeah, and it's because it took like the eighties mindset, which is like business, money, and all that, and just took it to like an extreme conclusion. And yeah. it says this is where we're gonna be in uh, ten years. But uh, but like but even RoboCop, I mean. I mean, I don't know what sort of cyborg technology the military has right now, oh, man. but that's I not. Hope they've got some, <laughs> but it's not like two thousand one. Like it's, it's right. not that far off from yeah, things yeah. that are that are. It's uh, still rooted somewhat in in yeah. uh, in modern day reality, but like, uh, but yeah, and but I remember when I was younger, I always and I was the same way about nineteen eighty four, where I'm just like, they should just change the titles of the book, just right. one, like once. 19 let's say 9 1998 rolls around everyone in hollywood just kind of looks around they're like all right i don't think this thing's gonna happen i don't <laughs> think 2001 is gonna turn out the way kubrick thought it so let's just change it to 3001 let's <laughs> do that we've got a thousand years that's a nice chunk of time we'll get there but like that's the that's the thing is in my head i'm just like i i even now it, like i was a stupid kid when i thought of that uh-huh. but like even now part of me is just like can't watch 2001 without just being like you're way off <laughs> you're an idiot kubrick <laughs> i i forget it I, I i don't know because it's a great movie yeah yeah it, it's it's something you can definitely yeah let slide but then again there's <laughs> like there's the one of the classic uh camp so bad it's good movies is the apple which i've never actually bothered to watch but it's essentially imagining this uh Psycho utopian, uh, disco infused future in the in like the far off date of like 1986, something like that. Like, <laughs> it was like this is what it's going to be like in eight years. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, and I think uh, Predator Two. It takes place in like it's very strange. That one takes place in like 92, I want to say, and that and it like oh, it was made in 92, but it takes place in like 97. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? And it's like really, and it's like you know, a little more futuristic, and I'm, and I'm just like, why do you do that? That doesn't make any sense. It was very strange. I just always feel like when when I look at 2001, I feel like we're letting down the previous generation. Like they had such high hopes for us. I know. Like that was what that was 69. So it's like, yeah. Like I'm always just like, oh man. People must be disappointed in me. Yeah. But at the same time, I look at those movies and I was like, no one was predicting MP3 players. And those are pretty fucking awesome. They are. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Um, Now, uh, let's see. Okay. So we've, we've hit uh, a lot of the, a lot of the things on my list, but I would say this is going to sound strange, but I feel like perhaps the most dated decade is probably the eighties, like, or maybe the sixties, but like, with the 80s, because there was that – because you've got – first off, you've got, like, fashion and music and that kind of thing. Yeah. And so much of it was just very in the moment, and they just wanted to use as much of it as they could. And, like, the really good movies were just like, let's use maybe something from 10 years ago, something <laughs> that has proven itself a little bit. You know, as much as I love Manhunter, and I do love it, it's like that soundtrack almost kills me. Really? Yeah. I mean, no doubt. Heartbeat. Oh. But this, yeah, this is actually something that I wanted to get to. This was in my my mental list. Okay. Was the 1980s, and for people of our generation, the datedness is fun because we remember it from right. when we were kids. Yeah. Uh, you know, but that, but yeah, you 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 hit right on it. Just like the 60s, but even even more so than the 60s, the 80s were a decade of 
of excess, you know, yeah. and when everything's so overdone like that, it's not going to last. And yeah. and so there, there are there were uh, they were essentially I don't know trying out fashions that uh, yeah <laughs> like maybe this is uh, maybe this is the future. That's yeah. that's what they were doing. Just like they were making <laughs> yeah. movies saying maybe this is the future. They were doing that with fashion too. Maybe this is what we'll be wearing. No, it didn't work out, yeah. and it never were like. Uh, all of culture has gone off on a different fork in the road than yeah. they had predicted, which is why the eighties are, are are so fun, which is why there's so much stuff. And I, I mean, I there's a lot of people uh, who sort of like to enjoy things ironically, which kind yeah. of grates on my nerves, but is sometimes really worthwhile. Uh, see, uh, what well, we we talked about in our so bad they're good uh, episode, the the uh, after school special with oh, yeah. uh, the kid from mr belvedere which i still forget his name oh, yeah. and, and james the gross and it's like a, a musical and yeah. that kind of stuff is insane and that kind of stuff only really happened in the 1980s because there was there was so much there was so much changing like technology was changing by the year yeah. so you would get something a movie like war games you know yeah or tron or something like that where they're just like Oh man, I see where this is going. <laughs> and then they make Tron and like a year after Tron everyone's like, "Oh, wow." Uh no, that's not where we were going at all. <laughs> but um, you know, but yeah, it's just it's very strange. Like you said, I mean, it might just be because it was excess, but it's just everything about like I would say, like if you were to look at my like my uh top 100 favorite movies, like 80s is probably the decade that comes up the least. Um, and I don't, I can't really put my finger on why. Sad, the thing is, uh, the 80s were actually a really good decade for movies, just a really bad decade for mainstream movies. Uh, yeah. You know, like. But there was a lot of great stuff happening. Obviously, that's, that's sort of the roots of the American independence scene as, we, oh, as yeah. we know it or as we came to know it in the 1990s before it was completely co opted and ruined. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, yeah, they have. You've got like the early Steven Soderbergh and and, yeah. and stuff. You've got uh, David Brothers. Lynch had an amazing decade in the nineteen eighties, yeah. with the exception of Dune. Uh, yeah, um, but yeah, it's here's the thing about technology is it's this sort of you talk about this sort of predictive technology. Like that's what they they're yeah. like this is where it's going to be, but. Uh, the problem was that it wasn't very well thought out. It wasn't coming from like a scientific point of view. Right. It would just be like, wouldn't it be cool if this is where it's going to be? Yeah. Uh, and now I'm going to take it back and talk about uh, books instead okay. of uh, we're still a movie podcast, but uh, I'm going to talk about my favorite books of all time, which is Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. Oh yeah. Which uh, has a which predicts a version of the future that uh, reading it now, the book came out like '90, I think, or something. Uh, and uh, it's. Yeah, it's it's pretty dated. Like his Neil Stevenson's version of what the sort of internet would be is very different from how it came to be, and and his just general version of America. But the thing is, uh, Neil Stevenson is an insanely smart guy. If you've yeah. read any of his stuff, he is ridiculously intelligent. And uh, not only that, but uh, all his books are ridiculously well researched. Uh, if you know, if you read the Diamond Age, which is another. Uh, <clears throat> another um science fiction it's set further in the future than snow crash um uh and it also is stuff that probably will never come to be and that diamond age might eventually seem dated but it came from him doing a lot of research on what nanotechnology was mm-hmm. and how it might be applied if certain things happened so that's why 
this is essentially why Snow Crash is in a sense dated but still thoroughly readable because it's a it was it was still a likely may not likely but a possible version of the future. Yeah, like and I feel like I mean, you know, you and I kinda well, more me, but you know, I kinda poked fun at like two thousand one. But the fact is it's an it's very watchable and it's plausible. Maybe not by the year two thousand one. Yeah. But I mean it's not Star Wars. Like Star Wars has stuff where I'm like, I don't think that could ever happen. <laughs> but like you know, like just it see it comes from a place of realism, not a place of a fantasy, you know, mm-hmm. and like, and that's usually either that or absolute craziness, you know what I mean? To the <laughs> point that it's just like, like, and, and sometimes the more extreme you go, the more likely it'll be that that's going to be the case. Like a movie like Network, you know, wound up being very prophetic and like they're, because it, because it's so, at the time it was so crazy. Now it didn't necessarily say this is how it's going to be in the future or anything like that. It just right. said, this it, is how things are, you know? Yeah, but it was meant to be right. satirical. Right. Which and is why RoboCop works, too. Absolutely. Because it's, because it's satire. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, and uh, Starship Troopers. That's a great movie. It is. Absolutely. It is a great movie. It, are you talking to one person again? I sure am. <laughs> so, it's not me. Because <laughs> I love Starship Troopers. Damn straight. Um, now, uh, I'll bring this up solely because... Um, the uh it, it fascinates me so i was i was working um i was working at a blockbuster in 2004 i was working there when uh fahrenheit 911 came out uh-huh. and we got a lot of copies many many copies cuz it you know it killed at the box office and uh and so you know everybody wanted to oh and it, it let's see it came out i think october and november no it came out like late October on video. So of course, right before, you know, the, right election. before the election. Yeah. And so like everybody, I mean, it rented really well. And then like, you know, we got maybe 200 copies to rent uh-huh. and then we got like 30 or 40 copies to sell, which is quite a few of a documentary. Right. And you know what? They all sold all of them within a week. And huh. then when it came time to turn the rental copies into pre uh, previously viewed, uh-huh. those flew off the shelf. And I, and I remember like, even if you are, you know, uh, even if you're politically in agreement with the film, who who buys that movie? It is such. Yeah. I mean, that's dated. I mean, it's dated now because it was just it was so relevant to its time. I mean, it wasn't even relevant to a specific. It wasn't even relevant to like a specific decade or a specific few years. It was like, OK, we need to make this for the election. Like that was, you know, yeah. I mean, I never understood the mentality, I mean, you and I have talked about, you know, the difference between that and, like, the fog of war. Fog of war, because it it talks about history, it's yeah. kind of timeless. But, like, you know, and, I, and, so, and I'm not necessarily, I'm not faulting Michael Moore for making a very in-the-moment movie. But well, that's I, pretty much what he does, but that's right. more so than any of his films. I'm just fascinated that, that so many people just had to own it. It's like, are you going to pop that in on a yeah. regular basis? And they might, who knows? But uh, yeah. it just... The concept fascinated me. Um, so I, we've gotten to all the ones on my list, with the exception of something, and I should have mentioned it way back when we were talking about, you know, uh, D.W. Griffith, but, like, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Okay. Uh, you've got Mickey Rooney. I've never Ro- seen it. You've got, like, Mickey Rooney. I mean, right. it's it's notorious, just doing this awful uh-huh. uh, stereotype of, like, a, like a, a Japanese person and just... 
And, it, like, apparently everything, because I've only seen parts of it, but I've seen him. And sure enough, it's like, wow, that's crazy. But, you know, at the time, nobody really cared about how the Japanese were uh, depicted. <laughs> and, um, but, like, at the time, I, like, I, I would really like to talk to somebody who saw it, like, in the theater at the time and see if they thought he was, that that part was just funny. Was just amusing, like ha ha, yeah, that's how they are, or anything like that. Yeah, like because now everyone looks at that as just this huge stain on the fabric of that movie, <laughs> right? Of an otherwise, you know, very good movie. Um, well, um, I would actually, uh, we should probably close up here. Okay. But uh, uh, speaking of dated, here, here's uh, this has nothing to do with anything we talked about. Oh, but I was just today, I was watching the special features on the Born Ultimatum DVD. Okay, and there is buried in there. There is a little clip of. Paul Greengrass, okay, and Patty Considine, okay, two people I respect very, very much, okay, doing Borat impressions. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, it did. It, I'm sure it came out literally. I'm sure they had just seen it like the previous week or something. Yeah, yeah, it, mu- it must have been. And I'm, I, I can't fault them, but just the yeah. fact that it was on the DVD, the fact that they even put it on the DVD, because even by the time the DVD came out, yeah, uh, that's weird. It was. It was shameful. For, I, I felt embarrassed for them. But, you know, it does... I guess, you know, that actually leads me to, you know, say this. Are there any movies that have come out in the last few years? You know, we just talked about Fahrenheit 9-11 that you think will be dated in, you know, 10, 20 years. Well, I, I mentioned Witless Protection. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that one's not going to last. Well, you know, and I mean, you look... We've talked about, you know, movies like Date Movie and Meet the Spartans and, you know... Which, oh, those are the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are dated... By the time they come out, a lot of the time. Yeah, but that's what they're that's what they're meant to be. They're yeah. they are the the logical conclusion of the uh, opening weekend mentality of, yeah. of Hollywood. Like, there's those movies are not meant to have any shelf life. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, like I've as as we've as we mentioned in like the second or third episode of the podcast. When we talked about comedy, like, I try, I never, I have a hard time just turning a movie off, you know, uh-huh. like on purpose. Like, sometimes I will watch half a movie and then I've got to go do something and then I never get around to watching the other half, but I want to, you know, yeah. something like that will occasionally happen. But, like, there are very few movies that I will just turn off. Even if I hate it, I'm like, well, I'll watch it till the end so I can talk objectively about it. Yeah. I wanted to watch Date Movie. Because David had seen it and I wanted to be able to talk about it. Fifteen minutes, I'm like, I need I'm gonna cut my fucking throat. Like this is horrible. <laughs> and just and 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 that's the thing, it's just like at the time it was just like date movie, and then there's another one called Epic Movie, then there's Meet This and then I'm like so I was like, Wow, they, these guys were allowed to make another movie and then another one, and they're probably gonna make another one. Like it's just I don't I don't get it. Like who would ever Ugh <laughs> Listeners, I don't get it. These guys, like, I can say all the awful things about, uh, you know, filmmakers like, you know, Michael Bay or whatever, but, like, these guys are the absolute worst, I would say. Uh, Roland Emmerich still tops that list for me. Does he? Okay. Which is topical with 10,000 BC being being out in theaters. There you go. Uh, mucking up America's reputation <laughs> or, or Hollywood's <laughs> reputation again. Oh, my. Um all right, well, uh, listeners, I'm sure you know. I'm sure there's plenty of movies that uh, that we didn't mention. Um, so feel free to uh, email us movies that you feel are dated, and movies that you find yourself just scoffing at. Like you look and yeah. you're like, oh man, 
Way off, buddy. Way off. <laughs> um, so uh, you can email us at uh, battleshippretension at hotmail.com. You can also uh, start a topic over on the Facebook group. That's right. Yes, that's, I, that's, I will that's probably, fun to do. I will probably start a topic, and you can uh, you can weigh in. Um, so yeah. Uh, aside from that, thanks uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll get you next time. All right. Bye. Bye.